It's good to be in the house of the Lord today, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Wow. What a joy to have these souls baptized today. And as they launch into the life of discipleship, welcome. We are, uh, we are thankful for you being a part of this family and, and uh, growing in your faith. And so uh, we will commit to uh, join with you in, in your spiritual growth. Amen. That's a good way to, to end this year, isn't it? <laughs> Some, something to praise the Lord about in 2020. You know, I was, as I was in uh, Malalal in, in northern Kenya, uh, we were talking about systematic theology. And so the pastors, of course, had uh, a tremendous amount of questions. And uh, one of the questions was, uh, and I think very appropriate, so t- tell me about this, this COVID. <laughs> is, this, is this God's judgment against the, the world? Is it what God is using to turn the world back to him? Is, is it what God is doing because we've been so bad? Is that why he sent COVID? It's a good question, isn't it? I think as we, we look back on uh, this year and we wonder, what, what is the source of these struggles? And not just what's happening to us corporately, but what's happening in our own lives? What, what is the source of our struggles? Well, we got to look at the Word of God together, and so instead of spending the whole week, we, we won't spend a whole week here, we'll just spend uh, a few more minutes, but uh, we talked about three sources of our struggles. Uh, one, one of the sources of our struggles is sin. And so why are, why are there troubles in this world? Not, well, not just COVID, not just uh, the, the racial strife. Those are big enough by themselves, but our own personal struggles. And we see that sin is the source of many of our struggles. It's sin that other people do against us. And we are having to deal with that. Sins that other people cause it, that cause great trouble for us, things that people do against us. We also see that there is sin in the world, the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned, that sin entered the world through that first Adam. And the sin has its consequences in our lives, has a consequence in the world. It causes the world to even just fall apart. There's that that big consequence of sin that affects everything that we do. So we see these, these things that wouldn't have happened before the garden. We see these storms and we see volcanic eruptions and we see pandemics and we see all kinds of things because sin is active, germinating in the world. And it affects both us individually, but it also affects the world that we live in. Not to mention what seems to catch us the most is our own personal sin. Amen? Like the sin that we cause... Like, we are our worst enemies oftentimes. We're foolish, we're hard-hearted, we're mean, we're impatient, we don't seek God. And so a lot of the struggles that we have, in fact, it probably is the majority of the struggle, it seems like, is our own sin within us that keeps us from relationship with others, that, that, that hinders our fellowship with God. So what is... 
What is the source of our struggles? One of the sources of our struggles is, is sin in all those forms. And then another source of our struggles, 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion seeking someone to devour. That there are spiritual forces at work as well. And that's, that's particularly unnerving because we can't see them. But we know that they are active in one way or the other, and we don't even know exactly when to, to pin it on these spiritual things that are happening because we can't see them. But we know that there is spiritual forces, there are spiritual forces against us. We know that Satan would love to destroy us. And we don't even know how active or what he's doing behind the scenes that causes these things to happen. But we know that we have an adversary. We know that our struggle is not just with flesh and blood, but in the spiritual forces, in the spiritual realm. So not only do are our struggles because of sin, but they are also because of Satan and his influence. So we have to ask, so what is this COVID all about? Is it something that's sent by Satan? Is it because of sin in the world? Is it, as these pastors were saying, is it because of God's sovereignty? That's the third source. What is the source of our struggles? One of the sources of our struggles is God's sovereignty, God's plan. As he is, he is correcting his people, and he's drawing them to him, as he's showing the futility of life without him, within his sovereign plan, moving in a certain direction, one of the sources of our struggles is God's sovereignty. Wow. So you can see why this class lasted for a whole week, right? What is the source of our struggle? Sin, Satan, God's sovereignty. Okay, now we know what we can blame these things on, right? And as we think specifically like of, of this year, 2020, and COVID-19, and all the things that, has, that, that, have, that are burdensome to us, and, and how that filters down into the rest of the part of, parts of our lives in loneliness, uh, some of it is loss of jobs, uh, some is loss of relationship, all those things, how it all filters down, what is the source of it? Is it sin? Is it Satan? Is it sovereignty? And the answer is yes, <laughs> Right? It's all there. And so it would be faithful for me to come up here and preach to you about how, how 2020 is God's judgment on his people. That would probably be pretty faithful. And he's calling us back to him. Wake up. Wake up, church. Well, we could also say there's sin in the world. We could also say it's our sins. We could also see it as God's sovereignty. That God is up to something much bigger than you and I can imagine. You see, in Isaiah, when Isaiah is writing, God's people have been in generation and generation and generation of sin and disobedience to him. And so Isaiah is saying, I want to tell you, you think it's bad. It's about to get really bad. The Assyrians are going to come and... When the Assyrians are done, that doesn't mean you're off. That means the Babylonians are coming next. You can be assured this is going to be the worst decade or decades. 
or centuries of your life? What? And in the midst of this doom and gloom of appreciating the struggle that they are in and they're about, they're about to receive, Isaiah also has the privilege of announcing another prophecy. A prophecy found in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, where he says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. So Isaiah is saying, even though you're seeing the consequences, and I can promise you, There is even more of the consequences to come. There is more struggle to come. I want to tell you, in the midst of this, you should have hope. Because there is a child who is coming. And he will be called, today we're studying, Mighty God. He'll be called Mighty God. In Nehemiah chapter 32, there there was a promise, or there was a recognition of the struggle. This is after Isaiah He says, now therefore our God, the great and the mighty and the awesome God who keeps his covenant and steadfast love. Let not all the hardships seem little to you that has come upon us. He's saying, remember us. Nehemiah is saying, remember us. Don't forget how bad things have gotten. It's been bad upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our our fathers, And it's been upon all your people since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. Yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us, for you have dealt faithfully, and we have acted wickedly. See, Isaiah is saying, Nehemiah is saying, all of our kings, all all of the people who ought to lead us to you, that ought to bring us a way out of this struggle. All of them have failed. All of them have been wicked. But there's a promise in Isaiah. There's one who is going to come, a child, who is going to be mighty king. This word mighty is, is, is used earlier in the Old Testament. And it's a word that is used of David. And it talks about when they were looking for someone to come and, and soothe uh, Saul's soul. Do you remember that? Saul had an evil spirit, and so they bring in David, and their descript- the description of David was that he was a warrior. It's the same word that's used for mighty here. The idea of mighty God, this, this, exp- this expression, this title for the one to come, this word mighty isn't just like grand creator, but it is this idea of one who wins a victory, one who is undefeated, one who is powerful, in war. So that's the idea. There is going to come a baby who is a mighty warrior. Isn't that a strange picture? This one who's going to overcome. This one who is God himself. It's a baby. 
He's mighty baby. Doesn't that just seem so strange, right? That God is going to bring a child that will be mighty God. We see in the book of John over and over again, it's a course that goes throughout, that this child, Jesus, is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, this little one is mighty God. Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. It is the, he is the one that was looked forward to, the one who would win victories, the one who would, be, uh, who would never fail, undefeated. That's who they were looking for. And, it, and he came in the shape of a child. What victories did Jesus win? Well, we see as Jesus began his early ministry, he's baptized, right? And then the Bible says he is compelled by the Holy Spirit. He's compelled into the wilderness. The Bible is saying, and, and this is what God wanted. He sent him into the wilderness. And there, as you know the story, he was without anything for 40 days. He didn't have anything to eat. We don't believe anything to drink. He slept out. He was unsheltered. He was in the wilderness for 40 days. Some of you have fasted for two or three days, right? At the end of it, you're like, ah, right? Some of y'all get the keto meanness. I've been around some of you. Your, your, your temporary fasting is a big problem for everyone around you. I know we, we just kind of go, ah, right? But for 40 days. And at the end of 40 days, we find that Jesus is at, he has to be at his weakness here on earth. Baby, and now we see him in his weakness. Mighty God, but in his weakness. And in his weakness, Satan comes to him. And Satan finds Jesus in his weakness as the greatest opportunity that he's going to have to turn him, right? So he comes to him with temptation after temptation after temptation. And temptations that sound really good in that moment. Like, why don't you just have something to eat? Why don't you be free of the weight of this responsibility that God's given you? Why don't you, why don't you just be at peace and have the world? You just need one thing. Follow me, Satan's saying. Bow down to me. Worship me. And in that moment, in that low moment, when you and I would probably say, I just can't do it anymore. I am out of energy. I'm out of strength. I'm at a low moment. Jesus answers Satan because he is the mighty God. And he doesn't give it a temptation. Why? Because he overcomes sins. That is who he is. He is mighty God. He is the victorious one. So Satan can't beat him. Temptation can't overcome him. Even in his weakest moment. Think about his next weakest moment when he's in the garden. When he has the opportunity to turn away from the cross. When he has an opportunity to turn away from taking on the sins of the world. When he's given the opportunity, he does not give in because he is mighty God. 
and he overcomes temptation, he overcomes the adversary, and he goes to the cross, and he dies on the cross. He pays the penalty for your sin and my sin because he is mighty God. And three days later, not only does he resurrect, but he has the victory over death. And he comes to life in the resurrection. Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 9. He is mighty God. He is the victor over sin, over Satan. He is the one who gives us freedom from death. So what are you going to say? What do you think? 2020. Is this the end? I just saw a Facebook post. You know, that's very informative. And it was chronicling how these are the last times because, because of uh, wars and rumors of wars. And, and we see generation after generation keeps falling away from God. This, this has to be the end. Is this the end? I don't know how many days or years or we have left. But we know what the source of our struggle is. We know that it's sin, Satan, sovereignty of God. So what should we do? Trust in the mighty God. Trust. Obey the mighty God. You know what? That's enough. That's good for the soul. I I know that there are people today who are sitting here and you feel overwhelmed. You are afraid. You are lonely. You are hurt. You may be hurt by other people. You may be hurt by all that's happening around us. You are struggling maybe even to believe. And I want to tell you, there is good news. Mighty God has come. And mighty God's coming back again. In Romans 8, 28, the Bible says, and we know that that for those who love God, all things work out for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You see, part of our struggle is God's big plan. And in our moment with him, sometimes things are not happening like we want them to. But you can be assured that all things work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And if things aren't good, it's not the end yet. Things aren't good, it's not the end yet. Because this victory that that he's talking about in Isaiah chapter 9 is it was, it is fulfilled in Jesus and is also going to be fulfilled in the kingdom yet to come. Where the fullness of all this that he has promised happens. Where the mighty God serves as great warrior. For in the end, Satan will be bound and thrown into a pit of darkness for all of eternity. 
where you and I who will die will be resurrected and we too will receive this eternal glory with him. We will reign and rule with him on high, mighty God. We will, we will have new bodies, new minds. We will be glorified in him. And we won't struggle with temptation or sin anymore. Someone just say, amen. We won't be sick. We won't be lost. We won't be lonely. Because when we go to heaven, he has prepared a room for us. And he says, for in my house, there are many rooms. And we will live with him for all eternity in the house of mighty God. Amen. And these are our promises during this Advent season. That our mighty God has come. And he's coming again. Lord, we just celebrate you today. We could have not even guessed, not even close to guessing what all of this actually means. How that you would come as a child and mighty God. And Lord, help us today to see with eyes that are not natural. To see the source and respond in faith to our God. Lord, we ask that in our lives you would defeat all of these adversaries for your glory. And Lord, we look forward to the fulfillment of this kingdom. We bless your name. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.